0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It is a privilege to be here. Uh, this is my first time to South Africa, and I love it yes i love this church um i love the people my wife and i have fell in love with the people and we will definitely be back definitely be back um the beautiful part is your church is actually doing the work of god and i was actually following you online Doing COVID when you were giving out the, uh, the food parcels and ministering out here in the parking lot, and we were just so impressed with what you were doing. So, your work that you're doing here is literally going around the globe. It's going around the globe, and you're inspiring other churches to actually go out and share the love of Christ. So, as uh, it was just said, we are family, we're your cousins uh, in the US. I I love it. It was was my first time here, but I don't feel like a stranger because I feel like I'm with family. I'm with family, and if you're ever in the U.S. and in Orlando, Florida, please come see us. We would love to have you, love to host you. I forgot to say this this morning, so I'm going to say it now. Uh, For all of the volunteers, for all of the employees, all of the pastors, what an amazing job you have done hosting us. I know your senior pastor is not here. Please let him know we are so appreciative of you. We have been treated so well, and we are so grateful. So thank you for that. Thank you for the love, um, and thank you for being part of the family. So as we get started here tonight, um, I just want to share with you my family— If we could put them up on the screen, my wife and I have been married for 29 years, and we have four young adults uh, and our dog. Uh, To to the right of me is my wife, Pam, uh, my beautiful wife. To the left of me, let me tell you this, we're a military family. Okay, so my son on the left, that's our youngest son, Caleb. Uh, He's in the Navy, but his job is classified, so we can't talk about what he does, but you can kind of (laughs) guess. Our daughter up on the left, that's Jana. She's our second born, and she works in uh, finance for local government. Uh, The next one is our dog, Luca, and he thinks he's one of the children. You can see he has this little leather coat on. He's a Yorkie. Uh, the youngest one, uh, the next one on the left is our third born, that's Joshua. He is a uh, Navy pilot. And the very bottom is our son, Kyle, and he is a Navy pilot. Um, has anyone seen the movie Top Gun? Have you heard about Top Gun? The new Top Gun is coming out? Okay. Well, our son, Kyle, is actually a Top Gun instructor. And so to be an instructor, you have to be in the top 1% of all naval aviators in the United States. So he is actually in that movie. When you see the, uh, some of the stars flying around, they're in the backseat of his plane for like, he's flying three or four of them. And if you look real close, there's one or two scenes where you can actually see his face. So, since we are family, you can say that you have family in a Top Gun movie, right? We're family. We're family. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to get right into the message. I promise I'm not going to keep you too late, but I have a a slight confession. Can I be transparent for a minute? So this is my third service, uh, my second one preaching. And when I came this morning, praise and worship was outstanding. It was amazing. And then we went out, Zach and his wife took us out to dinner, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I don't know if I have enough energy to do praise and worship again (laughs) this evening. So praise and worship was kind of low-key this evening, so I'm very appreciative. But you guys have uh, amazing praise and worship teams, amazing bands, and we are so grateful. So thank you. Thank you. So tonight, I'm going to get right into it. My message is show yourself a man. Now, please do not check out if you are not a man. I know it's Father's Day, but please do not check out because there's something here for those who are single, for those who are married, and for those who are divorced, and for those who are hoping to get married. I promise you there's something for everybody, okay? So don't let the title mentally cause you to check out, okay? So we're going to start off, oh, I know what I was going to say. It was one more thing. I wanted to learn how to say hello before I got here, and I was really excited and then I realized you have 11 different languages, 11. So I think I found one, correct me if I'm wrong, is Sonny Bonani Rosebank, All right. Is that right? Okay. All right. I didn't kill it. That's all I've got. I don't have anything else. That's all I've got. Okay. So our scripture for today is taken from 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. And it reads as follows. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Be strong and show yourself a man. And when you look at that, you think it would be kind of strange because Solomon is already a man. So why would he have to show himself a man? And we have to understand that there are a lot of males in the world, but there aren't a lot of men. There's a difference between a male and a man. And in order to be a man, you have to a true man, you have to be a man of God. Because if you're a true man of God, you will understand how you're supposed to treat yourself, your spouse, your children, your community, your church, and all around you. So he tells him, he says, be strong and show yourself a man, And keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Now we have to be honest with ourselves. Some of the problems that we're facing in society, I can't speak about South Africa, I can only speak about the U.S. A lot of the problems that we're facing, excuse my voice, just... um, Feels like I'm losing it, but I trust God will help me get through this evening. Is because of absent fathers. We have sons that don't have fathers who tell them who they are, so they join the gangs because they want to be part of a family and then they find themselves in the judicial systems. We have young ladies who don't have men of God in the household who are telling them who they are and how special they are and how they're unique and a designer's original. So the first guy that comes along and tells them, I love you, then they go off with him, and then we find ourselves with teen pregnancies. Now, I don't know about South Africa, but that's America. And so it's so important that we understand godly men were designed to be the foundation of the family. Designed to be the foundation of the family. And for my men in here, if you're divorced, this message is not a message of condemnation. Because if you're still breathing, you still can make it right with your kids. Just because things didn't work out for you and their mom, they're still your kids, so you still can reconcile. So do not feel condemned as you listen to this message. So as we look at Scripture, we see that there are specific characteristics that ought to exist in any man who's going to be a father in your life. I don't care whether he's 18 or whether he's 80. If he's worthy enough to be a father in your life, there's just some characteristics that he's going to have to have in order to be a father. So my first point tonight is, in order to show yourself a man, you must be a protector. You must be a protector. Now, ladies, if you are single and you want to get married, watch him while you're dating. Is he protective of you? Is he protective or he's out and about and he's all about himself? And a man is supposed to be a protector. Fathers uh, protect, they don't abuse. They don't abuse. They protect. And any man that uses his hands to strike a woman is a man that hates himself. And so you have to find a man that loves God because if he does not know how to love God properly, he will never know how to love you. And so they're protectors. And a good father is that type of person who's going to get on your last nerve because he's going to ask, where are you going? Who are you going with? When are you coming back? Who's going to be there? And I can relate to that. I really can. I came home from work one day, and my daughter was talking to a young man by the mailbox, and I, you know, kind of got a little huffy. Uh, And I talked to my wife, and I said, well, who is that? And and who are his parents and where does he live? And my wife looked at me with this face and she says, Babe, he's six. (laughs) I didn't care. I just saw a guy talking to my daughter at the mailbox. She said, he's six. So that protectiveness kicked in early. It kicked in early. So 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be alert and sober, mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we had an opportunity. Uh, Zach took us out to, uh, where did we go, Zach? The lion. Okay. You guys know where he's talking about. It's where the lions are in the safari park. And we learned some interesting things about lions, and I wasn't aware of a lot of the facts about the lions and how the lion has to protect the tribe because other lions may come in and try to kill off the children. And I was like, wow, how is that so much like the devil where it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And as men of God, we have to be protectors of our family. And do not limit that to physical only. You have to protect your family spiritual. What is your family looking at? What is your family listening to? Who are your family hanging around with? That's protection, both spiritual and physical. And so it's critical that that man is a protector because as men, we will stand before God and we want to be able to say, God, I took care of every person that you gave me. I took care of every person that you gave me. Everyone in your household is your responsibility. And men, I want to share this with you. When my pastor told me this, I didn't quite get it. And as a matter of fact, he kicked me out of his house. We were in a marital counseling session because my wife and I were having intense worship. This was about, that's what we call an intense worship. Um, 15 years ago, 15 years ago. And he looked at me and he said, everything is your fault. Like what? He said, everything is your fault. I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't hear anything I said. She has her issues too. That was 15 years ago. We're real good now. So I'm like, no, you don't get it. You didn't hear anything I said. He said, everything is your fault. And I didn't get it, and he was trying to talk to me, and finally he said, you can just leave my house because you don't want to listen. And I felt like that I knew enough word, just like he did. I was being prideful, and I'm like, there's no way everything is my fault. But what he was doing, he was teaching me a spiritual principle. And oh, by the way, God convicted me, and three days later, I had to go back and repent. So what he was teaching me is, as the head of the household, I'm responsible whether I caused it or not. Whether I caused it or not. If my wife is acting a certain way, it's it's my fault. And the reason is, either she was acting that way when I married her. I'm just using you as an example, babe. She was (laughs) acting that way when I married her, and I still chose to marry her. Or something that I did or didn't do caused her to behave that way. So at the end of the day, it's my fault. So what he was teaching me was to take responsibility for my household. That I impact how my household responds. I don't get to pass the blame. I don't get to pass the buck. I don't get to say it's your fault. If my children have issues, then I'm responsible for helping them walk through those issues. So it's owning what happens in that household, and that's part of protection. And so, ladies, understand this. Sometimes men will protect you by not telling you what's going on. Your husband doesn't need to come in the house and tell you every single issue that's going on in his life. And I'm not saying don't communicate. Please don't uh, think that I'm saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's certain things that he needs to go to God first and get an answer before he comes and talk with you. Because if he comes and talk with you without talking to God first, he's giving you his own opinion. So you want a man that knows how to communicate with God so he'll know how to communicate with you. So don't just come in the house and just let it all out talk to God about it first. Protect your wife. Talk to your wife and say, babe, this is what's going on. I've talked to God about it. I believe this is what he wants us to do. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. And then you go together. You come to your wife composed because you've been in the presence of God. Don't just come in and just fall apart because as the captain goes, so goes the rest of the plane. And so the next thing that I want to look about When the Bible talks about being a man being the head, it means he's the covering. It means he's the protection. It means that anything that happens in that household, he should be taking the brunt of it first, not the spouse, not the children. It means he's your covering. It means that he defrays the trouble. Anybody standing behind me in my household is not going to get hit with the force of the wind because it's coming up against me first. Ladies, if you're the first one to get hit when problems come in your house, you may want to talk to your husband. You may want to have him talk to one of the pastors here so they can help him. Maybe he doesn't know. Because reality is, young ladies, they grow up, they play with dolls, they cook, they learn how to be women. We as men, we grow up, we kick soccer balls, we throw footballs. We have no clue what it means to be a man zero. And then we go into marriage saying, what is this? What is this? And the lady gets practice all of her life. So ladies, give us grace. Give us grace. We want to do right. We want to be good husbands. So keep us prayed up. And so also we look at a good man is recognized by, for his entire worth upon his departure. Your family will never fully appreciate you until you're gone. They can do the best they can while you're here. They can give you Father's Day cards. They can thank you, but they're never going to fully appreciate you until you're gone because once you're gone from this planet, there will be things that they will have to deal with, things that they will have to process that they never had to process while you were here. So men do not feel like uh, something is wrong with you if you don't get all the uh, uh, self-gratitude from your family that you would like. Because if you're doing your job as a protector, you're probably not going to get it until they're older. Your kids are going to be mad at you. The dog's going to be mad at you. Your spouse is going to be mad at you. But because you're a man of God and God has given you insight and vision and wisdom, most people are going to be mad at you. And this normally happens right around the teenage years. You will wake up and your child will be the smartest person in the world and you will be dumb as a doorknob. Get ready if you haven't already experienced it. It's coming, I promise you. And there will be things that the father, decisions the father will have to make that you will not like. And sometimes the mothers won't understand. But I look back at an example that happened with me and my father. There was two young men that I was hanging out with, and my dad, they were my friends. They didn't do anything around me. And my dad said, I don't want you hanging around them. And I was so angry. I'm like, why? They're my friends. They look out for me. They take care of me. And I did not understand, but he was adamant I was not going to hang out with these two young men. And so I left home about two to three years later. I was in Japan at the time. He sent me a newspaper clipping, and one of the clippings, it showed one of the guys that I was hanging out with, he had been killed. He had been shot in the chest with a shotgun doing a drug robbery. Now, my father knew that he wasn't a good person to hang around, but he didn't explain all of that to me. He just said, I don't want you hanging around him. And then the other guy, maybe six months to a year later, he sends me another newspaper clipping. Came from a small town. Everything makes the news. He wound up getting sentenced to jail for 25 years for drug distribution. And I look back, and I had to thank God that I had a father who was willing to be a protector whether I liked it or not, whether anybody in the house was happy or not, because he saw something that I couldn't see. So in order to be an effective protector, you've got to be able to stand. And sometimes that means standing by yourself in your own home. Protect your family the way God would have you protect your family. Husbands. Husbands, if you have sons, sometimes you're going to have to let them bump their heads against the wall. You're going to have to. I'm not talking about getting any major trouble. I'm talking about sometimes if you know they're about to make a bad decision where the consequences aren't too bad, sometimes you have to let them make that. And they're going to fall down as little kids. They're going to fall down, and they're going to cry, and you're just going to have to tell him to get up. You're not going to be able to run and kiss him and tell him to get up and, oh, boo-boo, I love you, and everything's going to be okay because when he leaves life and he gets his own family, life's not going to do that to him. If he gets knocked down, he better get up because he has a woman and he has children behind him that's waiting on him to get up and to lead. So the worst thing we can do for our kids is always try to relieve them of pain. You can't always relieve the pain. Anybody in here ever got shots, vaccinations? You go to the doctor, right? So if you have children, you know, or if you've gotten shots— your parents knew that that nurse or that doctor was going to hurt you, right? And they allowed it because they knew it was going to be for your good. So sometimes, parents, you have to allow a little pain into your children's life because you know that it's going to be for their good. That's one of the ways that you protect them also. The next thing, my next point is, in order to show yourself a man, you must be a provider You cannot show yourself as a man if you're not a provider. And I'm not just talking about money. There's more to being a provider than money. Do not limit yourself to money because if you're unemployed, you're going to feel like you're not a provider. If your wife makes more money than you, you're not going to feel like you're a provider. Funny story, my wife and I first got married. She worked for a stockbroker, a million dollar producer for the New York Stock Exchange. She made three times what I made. Do you think I was intimidated? Not at all, because we had one bank account because we're as one. That's what happens when you operate as one. Now, I was working, you know I was. Added my little bit to the account too, but I wasn't intimidated at all because we knew the principle that God had intended for us as a husband and wife. Operate as one. Operate as one. And men, I don't care what you have to do. If you have to go get a job, what is it, Nando's or whatever the case may be, do something. Do something until you can do better. Don't look down on any job. Because God will see what you're putting your hands to and he will bless you and he will help you because God knows that you need a job because before he brought Eve to Adam, Adam had a job tending the garden. He had a J-O-B. So don't feel like, well, I can't get the job that I want. Get a job until you can work up to the job that you want. Help your family out. So that's just provision, but a father also provides. What else does he provide? He provides friendship to his children. He provides wisdom. He provides counsel, camaraderie, perspective, insight. He has a given spirit. A man should be able to add to your life. He should not take away from your life. For the single ladies, if he's taken away from your life, send him on his life's destiny. He's not the one. He should be adding to your life, not taking away. And ladies, if you're married and your husband's taken away, you're married, you're stuck with them, pray about it and fast and believe God to change his heart. Keep serving God. You can't get rid of him. You, you made a covenant with him and with God. But you trust God that he's gonna get connected to the men here at Rosebank. You trust that he's going to get disciple. You trust that he's gonna learn how to become a man of God. And this is so important, especially for the single ladies, because everybody wants to be loved. But you don't have to sacrifice who you are to be loved. You want a man of God to love you because he will love you properly. Here's another thing, ladies if he has a stingy spirit, do not date him. <laughs> do not. You are not going to change him you are not. If he's stingy at 20, he's going to be stingy at 70. Okay? So these are red flags, ladies, that I want you to look for. If he's stingy, send him on his way. Send him on his way. If a man is stingy, that lets you know he doesn't know who his source is. Because in a man's heart, when he's really stingy, he really feels like he's his own source, and he's really afraid that he has to hold on to everything or he's going to lose it. But a true man of God knows that he doesn't own anything anyway. It's all God's. And he knows the source. And this is why you never put your trust in your job, because your job is just an instrument that God uses to bless you, but God is the source, and he reserves the right to change the source on any given day. Change the instrument any given day. So don't put your faith in your job. Put your faith in your God. So important. So, so important. And ladies, I'm not talking about... Let me go, Let me be real careful with this. I'm not talking about you wanting more than Standard Bank, okay? I'm just talking about a man that has your best interests at heart because there are some people out there that... Won't the world, I don't know if they say it here, um, but we have this term we call gold diggers. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, don't be a gold digger, right? Don't, don't abuse that good man who's giving to you. Don't do that. Because there are men that have been taken advantage of, and it causes them to shut up, and they, they clam up, and they just refuse to give because they've been burned so many times. Okay. It should be in a man's DNA to be a provider. When God created man, he created him in his own image. And one of God's names was Jehovah Jireh. God shall provide. Men, it's in our DNA. God shall provide. And we're to be providers, not takers. And never fear, when you know your source, you will always have enough. You will always have enough provision. You will always have enough energy. You will always have enough wisdom when you know your source. The problem with sun men is we think we're our own source. And so we're like the energizer bunny and we're walking around and we're moving around real fast. And then when the battery dies, we wonder what went wrong. But if we stay plugged into God, we will never run short of anything that our family needs ever, ever. So we've got to stay plugged into God. Fathers, if you have sons, teach your men how to be, uh, your young men, how to be providers. Teach them how to be providers. If your son comes to you and say, Daddy, I love this young lady, and I want to get married to her, you should say, great, son. The first thing you should ask her, is she a Christian? And then the second question should be, where are you going to live? (laughs) Right? Because you can't live here. Right? And I know that sounds harsh, but it's almost like an eagle kicking the baby out of the nest because you're going to have to teach him how to survive. He's going to have to learn how to protect that family. He's going to have to learn how to provide that family. They're not going to be able to live off pork and beans and love. That lasts about two weeks. That's it. That's it. And so ask him, son, where are you going to live? What's your plan? How are you going to feed her? How are you going to provide for her? How are you going to take care of her? That's teaching him how to show himself a man. Ladies, if he cannot provide for himself, I doubt he's going to do really good providing for you and your future children. Let him keep going. Okay? I don't care how fine he is. Let him keep going. Okay? That's so important because looks are only gonna last for so long. I do not look now like I did 29 years ago, but my wife still loves me, thank God. She didn't marry me for looks, right? Okay, so here's the thing we have to understand. The devil is not after you for you. He's after you for your children. If you're in your 30s and 40s, you're already messed up, you know, or you've been redeemed by the blood. And we're all of us, we're messed up because of something that probably transpired when we were kids. But we have an ability to stop the enemy from transferring the things that we went to onto our kids. They don't have to experience what we experience. They don't have to go through what we go through. So understand the battle is all about your children. It's not about you. If you've given your life to Christ, you're covered. You're good. But your children still have to grow. They still have to develop. They still have to have their own families. So he wants to create havoc in the children's lives. The devil always goes for the seed. When you think about when Jesus was born, what did Herod do? He killed all the babies that were two years and younger. When Moses was born, what did Pharaoh do? He killed all of the new babies. Satan has to get to your seed before it matures. So never ever think it's about you, it's about the children behind you. And the last thing that I want to talk to you about tonight in order to show yourself a man, you must be a priest. You must be a priest. That is so important. It is not Rosebank's job to pastor your children. It is not Rosebank's job to pastor your wife. That's your responsibility. You are the priest of your household. You are the one who needs to teach them how to read their Bible. And if you don't know, start reading it yourself, and then you share with them what you just read. So for all of the fathers out there who want to do this and don't know how to do it, I guide fathers to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. It's real easy, real simple, one for each day of the month. Read that with your family. Sit down and talk to them about it. And if you don't understand it, pray and ask God to reveal it to you, and he will. But you are the priest of your household. You're responsible for teaching your children how to pray, not the church. When they come to church, that's just in addition to what you've already given them during the week. If this building shut down today, could you still minister to your family? That's the question. And sometimes we as fathers have just given up that responsibility to the church. The church will teach them to pray. The church will teach them uh, how to read the Bible. No, as a father, that's your responsibility. Your responsibility. Nobody's going to be able to pray for your wife like you. Nobody's going to be able to pray for your children like you. Because reality is you're in the house with them all the time. You see things, you know things, you hear things that if you come down front for prayer, that's great, but they don't have all that information. So you should be the first line of prayer for your children. You should be the first line of prayer for your wife. In order to be the priest in your household, you have to have a prayer life. You have to, because there will be things. You come home from work, your wife will give all of the stuff that happened to her during the day. And then you will go into the next room and the kids will give you all of the stuff that happened to them that day. And then you'll get on the phone and your mom or your elders will call you and they will give you all of the stuff that happened to you that day. And if you don't know how to give all of that stuff to God in prayer, you're going to collapse. You are going to lose it. And this is why most men go to the store for a pack of cigarettes and never ever come back because they're carrying too much stuff that they weren't meant to carry, because they're men who don't know how to cast all their cares upon God. Your job is to be there so they can cast their cares upon you, and your job is to walk with them and talk with them and teach them how to cast all their cares on God. You're the priest. This is one of the reasons why when Noah landed the ark, the first thing he did, he didn't build the house, he built the altar. He worshipped. He was showing his family, I know we just went through a tough time, but we're going to worship first. We're going to take care of God's business first. And one of the things that my wife and I have always taught our kids, take care of God's house and he'll take care of yours. Take care of God's house and he'll take care of yours. And we also read about Joshua. He said, choose ye this day whom ye will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fathers, do do your children know that as for your house... You will serve the Lord? Or do you send them to church with mom? Do they know? They need to. They need to. Because it is so important. You cannot be a priest if you don't have a prayer life. And ladies, don't get this confused. Men and women pray differently. If you listen to a mom pray, she's going to be, oh, God, please touch Tommy. He's having trouble in school, and he's having these issues, and God, I know you love Tommy, and God, I just feel this way, and I just need you to move in Tommy's life. That's mom's prayer, and that's fine. But here's how dads pray. "Um, God, I need 15,000 rand by Friday, (laughs) and I know you can do it. Amen. (laughs) Neither one is right, neither one is wrong. Neither one is right, neither one is wrong. Because God, primarily for a woman, she's emotional, and for a man, he's logical. But let me say this. When you pray, you need to take God's word back to him. You need to take his word back to him. God says, put me in remembrance of my word. That is not because God is old and he's senile and he has forgotten his word. The reason he tells you to put him in remembrance of his word is because he wants you to remember He wants you to be encouraged. He's the one that said, my word will not return unto me void. He did not say, your emotions won't return unto him void. He said, my word will not return unto me void. So when you're praying, it's important to know God's word. God, you said that you would take care of us. God, you said that you would provide. God, you said that you would make a way. And that gives you a confidence when you walk up in his presence in your prayer time. Because you're not praying your desires. You're not praying wishes. You're not praying wishful thinking. You're reminding him of what he said. And if that word comes back to him and he doesn't fulfill it, that means it came back to him void. And then that simply means that God is a liar and he can't be trusted. And we know that God is not a man, so he cannot lie. When we look at Daniel, the angel came to Daniel, and he said, we were delayed. He said, we came for your words. And you've got to understand, sometimes when you take God's word to him, the angel's coming with your answer. There's spiritual warfare happening in the heavens, and sometimes your your answer may be delayed just a little bit, but God's on the way because he's coming for his own words. And when you're dealing with situations, you've got to put God's word on it. God said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So when I speak God's Word into situations in my household, I'm putting God on that problem. I'm not putting my thoughts. I'm not putting my opinions. I'm not putting my wish list. I'm speaking and saying what God is saying, and that situation has to bow down to the Word of God. So don't be bought off and don't be fooled by the enemy thinking, well, I go to church and well, I serve? That's great. But you're powerless if you don't read your Bible. You're powerless because you don't know who you are. You don't know who God said you could be. You don't know what he's promised you. You don't know what provision he has made for you. You're just wandering through life, a happy Christian, and the devil's slapping you upside your head. And you're just, I'm going to hold on until I get to heaven. No, God told us to inhabit, to occupy until he comes back. The last time I checked, the Bible says the earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. So if it belongs to your daddy, why would he keep it from you? Think about that for a minute. You've got a lack? Tell your daddy about it. You've got pain in your body? Tell your daddy about it. You got a child running wild? Tell your daddy about it. And oh, by the way, it's not your child anyway. It's his child. He just allowed you to be the steward over them. So when they're acting crazy, it's this is biblical. God, what do you want me to do with this crazy child of yours? Because the Bible says he knew us before he formed us in our mother's womb. We are stewards. We're caretakers. You don't own anything. I'm gonna tell you a little secret. You don't own anything. And once you learn that, you get to walk carefree in life. Because if I own it, I'm responsible for it. But if I'm just a steward over it, the owner's responsible for taking care of it, for repairing it, for providing it. So my family is not my own. It's God's family, and he just chose me to be the steward over it. So guess what? When my family needs something, uh, God, your wife, your daughter, and your kids, they need something. No pressure on me at all. Right? And the Word says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps, so there's no need for both of us being awake at night. I'm not going to be up. God is already up. Right? What am I worried about? He already knows. So that Word is so important. It is so, so important. Men, if you're not with your families— Reconcile with your kids, it's not too late. It's not. Moms, if you find yourself without a husband, God placed you in a spiritual family at Rosebank. And one of the things that I've learned here that really warms my heart, the kids we were uh, dealing with the kids at the havens, and, and where's the other place we went? trinidador Okay, you heard them, right? <laughs> I'm not doing too well with the local language. Please forgive me. And there's this thing called aunties and uncles, right? And I love it because I grew up with 11 uncles. And it's amazing. And so moms, don't you give up hope if you're a single mom. Don't you give up hope. You're part of a church family where there are men of God and they will help you. They will help you. You are not by yourself. God sees you. And he will honor you for doing the job that that man refused to do. And for dads out there, if you're doing this, that's great. Fantastic. I applaud you. And if you're here and you're not doing it, now is your opportunity when you leave out of here tonight to start doing this. It's an opportunity for you to show yourself a man. For the single ladies, you know what to look for. If he can't provide these three traits, he's not the one. For single men, this is what you aspire to be before you decide to marry one of God's daughters. Because he will hold you accountable for how you treat her. Don't take that lightly. God said if a man mistreats his wife, God said he will shut up heaven and not hear your prayer. Which basically means you are on your own. All by yourself. So you've got to be a priest. And the last thing I want to say is this. I have never, ever, ever prayed for my children as their pastor. I go to the higher calling, and I pray for them as their father. It's so important that you're able to pray, man, because when you are going through things, your wife needs to be right there beside you when you're talking to God, and she needs to know that you're hearing from God because there may be something that God tells you to do that she may be afraid of doing, but it's kind of hard for her to buck against that if she was right beside you when you were both talking to daddy about it. A woman does not, a good woman does not have a hard time following a good man, but no woman wants to follow a donkey. I can't use the word I want to use, so you just think about it. So you have an opportunity when you leave here tonight You can show yourself strong as a man. You can be a provider. You can be a protector. And you can be a priest. And I trust that whatever you've learned here this evening, you will take it and you will share it with others, share it with the next generation so that God's image can be reflected throughout the world as he builds Christian families. Thank you.